Lord God, thank you for Cakey Day Camp, God. Thank you for these past few days, Lord, and all that you've done, God, in, in reaching these children for Jesus. And we pray for them, God, together, that you, every child that was there, that you continue to work in their lives, that any seeds that were planted would sprout up, that any that have sprouted up, that you would nurture and grow, and that these children would affect their parents, God. And thank you for the parents, and we pray for all that they're going through and how they're displaced, and some staying right there at the hotel, and it, it's hard. It's hard to live that way it's hard to know what's going to happen in the future but we know god that you are our hope and so i pray over them in that way lord i also pray you bless your word as we get into your word may your spirit speak to us god and may you continue to minister to our hearts stir us up lord today stir us up to live more for you and less for ourselves. So we give you this time, anointed in your spirit, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. I was telling the kids, what they, and everyone said, they go, like, amen. I go, wait, I can't hear you. Amen. I go, wait. So, so you guys, right? And everyone said what? Amen. All right, you're just like the children. <laughs> Good, but we should be excited in that way, right? Hey, if you ever book flights, whether it's to the mainland or overseas, it could be a little confusing when we talk about departure time, arrival time. I don't know if you guys kind of mastered that, but, but, but it's hard, especially, you know, you're going to mainland or you go to a foreign country and the time zone is just so different, right? I mean, we, we, would, we book a flight that departures like Hawaii time, Maui, you know, what we are right now, but then where your destination is a whole different time zone. And sometimes that can be confusing. Uh, on a trip to Okinawa, uh, Japan last year, uh, listen, we left Hawaii at 11.45 a.m. Okay, 11.45 in the morning. Then we arrived in Tokyo, Narita International Airport, at 4 p.m. Now, at first you're like, well, that's not too bad. But it was the next day. So we took off on one day and landed on the next day. We took off on a Thursday and landed on a Friday afternoon. Now, how's that? I was thinking, you know, in your mind you're thinking, what's that, a 29-hour flight or something? Man, that's, that's a slow plane going over there. Actually, it was like nine and a half, ten hours. But how, how is that? Well, we understand, right, that Japan is in a different time zone. They're actually 19 hours ahead. Uh, uh, when, what's funny is when we flew back, we left Japan on Tuesday morning at 7.55 p.m. at night. We, we flew out of Japan. That was our departure time. And we arrived in Hawaii the same day, Tuesday, at 7.55 a.m. Isn't that crazy? So you lose a day going there, but when you come back, you, you get it back. You know, I thought, well, if we keep going that way, do I get younger? Maybe we should just keep flying and go that way. Or, or maybe, you know, we could live our life over again, fix our mistakes, you know. But it doesn't happen that way. But we understand, right? Foreign countries, mainland, they're in a different time zone. Time zones. And then you got a time change. And all of that, if you, if you kind of think about it, kind of trips you out. You know, like, whoa, what? You know, changing here, that, they're ahead, we're behind, whatever, you know. But you know what? You got to get it right. You got to get it right or things can go really wrong. I read back in 1999, some terrorists came into Israel and they were killed while transporting a timed bomb. It exploded on them. Now, investigations found the bomb was set to explode at 5.30 p.m. on Sunday. But Israel had just switched back to standard time. They do daylight savings. And the terrorists did too. And they forgot to reset the bombs, which were set to the old time, and the bomb went off. Isn't that crazy? That goes to say it's important, right, where you're at with your time. And how you manage or, or set your time. Well, as we get into our study today in Second Peter chapter 3, as we continue on, Peter 
Now, he's going to talk about, in regard to Jesus' return, that it's important that we approach time in the right way, especially with how God sees time. And so that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at how God operates really on his own timetable, his own time zone. So I titled our message this morning, God's Timetable. God's Timetable. We're going to be uh, uh, studying 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. I was thinking about going, but you know what? We're going to focus in. We're going to dive deep on just two verses. And in these two verses, we're going to see three things. God's timetable is, number one, set to the eternal time zone. Think about that one. Uh, Secondly, God's timetable is set from the heart of mercy. And number three, God's timetable is set for the maximum opportunity. So that's what we're going to be seeing here in these two verses. So God's timetable, his schedule of things, how he's working things right now in regards to Christ's return and Jesus returning. So let's begin. God's timetable, number one, is set to the eternal time zone. The eternal time zone. Take a look at verse 8 here. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. It reads, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. We'll stop there. I'm sure you guys have read that or heard that before, but here we are in this verse to study this, to learn well, what, what does that mean. Now, Peter begins here in verse 8, and he says, but do not overlook. Now, let's take that connecting word, that conjunction, but. What he's saying, in contrast now to these scoffers who will perish, the ungodly who will perish in the day of judgment. If you look up at verse 7, that's how we ended, right? That in verse 7, that the day until the day of judgment, destruction of the ungodly. So he's coming into verse 8 saying, look, in contrast of these guys who's going to perish when judgment comes. And what is he talking about? He's talking about when Jesus returns. And that's what we saw last time, right? We're going to see more of that next time too. But, But when Jesus returns, his second coming at the end of the tribulation, he's going to bring judgment. The tribulation itself is going to be God's wrath and judgment being poured on the earth. So this judgment is coming. Now, if you remember, there was these scoffers, right? These guys back in verse 3 and 4, they're like, hey, what's going, what happened to Christ's return? What happened to that promise that Jesus is going to return? And we covered a lot of that in the past studies. And remember, they they were mocking Christians. They're like in verse 4, like all things are going to continue on. And we talked about that uniformitism. Right, the thinking in the world. Well, you know, everything's just going to keep going on like it has. How it's been going today is how it went in the past, and how it's going to go on in the future. And God doesn't intervene. God isn't involved in history and the history of this world. It's just going to go on and on. And last week we saw that. Well, no, Peter says, no, wait, wait. Let me tell you. There's three instances, right? That that God God was involved at creation. He was intimately involved when the flood came. The world was judged with the flood, and in the future judgment of the world. And that's what we saw last week. The title of our message was three standout events in history. And the last one was that future judgment with fire, and the ungodly will perish in their sins. And that's how we ended last week. So then as we come into verse 8, Peter's like, but, but you guys, it's not for us. But in contrast to this. And that's how he's rolling here. So you can maybe see the, the questions in the minds of maybe the readers that, okay, it's not true. It's not that God's not involved. He is involved. Okay, but but what about these, what these guys are saying? They're saying, well, what about then the return of Christ? What about that promise, right, in verse 4? What, what about, where's Jesus? In other words, how come the delay then? There's a delay. He's not here like you guys are saying. He's not keeping his promise. 
perhaps today, you might be getting that too. You might be getting people like, well, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus came. Where is he now? He said he's coming back. Perhaps that's coming upon you also. So Peter goes on in verse 8 to, to answer that. Peter says, but look, in contrast to the ungodly scoffers who reject these things now, these guys, you know what? You guys, you must not overlook this thing. And he's, I, we're going to get to that in a moment. You must not overlook. The word overlook in the original language, is, it means lie hidden. Like you don't just leave it there. You don't gloss over this, this fact, this truth about God we know. The scoffers are, but not you guys. But not you guys. In contrast, you do not overlook this one fact. Don't miss what they're missing. And what is that? Well, he says next, Behold, that with the Lord, one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Peter is actually loosely paraphrasing Psalm 90, verse 4. And I like that. Remember, we saw that before in 1 Peter, how Peter's been, been taught and schooled by Jesus himself in the Old Testament. I mean, we have the New Testament in our hands, but remember, that's what they had. And so he was always, he's always quoting the Old Testament. Here, he loosely paraphrased Psalm 90, verse 4. And what is that? Well, here, here's this fact, that for the Lord, one day is equal to a thousand years, and a thousand years is equal to one day. What is he saying with that? Well, he's saying from where God is, he sees things differently. He sees, really, time differently. He looks at time differently. Day, 1,000 years, all that is different in how he sees things. One day is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. Well, why is that? Why is time different with God? Well, I'm going to give you three reasons. First of all, God is the eternal God. Number one, God is the eternal God. He has no beginning, right? We know that. He has no end, right? He always existed and he's going to exist forever. So he's saying, look, these scoffers, they miss that part. But you guys, don't overlook that. Don't make God out to be like you are. That's what these scoffers are. No, God is eternal, right? We, we only have a certain lifespan in time. But God, no, he goes on, on and on and on. Psalm 90 verse 2, the second part says, From everlasting to everlasting you are God. In other words, from eternity to eternity. God, you're eternal. God is the eternal God. So that's the first thing you've you got to set in your minds. Number two, God lives in the eternal realm. So if God is eternal, he lives in the eternal realm. Number two, we can say that God is timeless since he's eternal. And he lives in the timeless realm. Now, I, I, I want to put something in your minds and, and maybe it'll trip you up, but but we tend to think that eternity, you know, when you talk about eternal life, eternity is like this extension of time, right? Oh, it just goes on and on. The clock, clock keeps going round and round. But it really isn't that. that. That may be a way for us to help to grasp it. But the reality in heaven, in eternity, there is no time. There's no time at all. I mean, that's hard to conceive for us who are, who are living in this realm of time. But eternity, let me put it this way, is outside of time. So God is the eternal God and God lives in that eternal realm. God dwells in that timeless realm. You know, in the late uh, 1800s, the world, the whole world agreed on making 24 time zones around the, the, our globe. Why is that? Well, it takes 24 hours for the earth to make one rotation. And so it was agreed that zero, you know, like, like zero, would start in, in Greenwich, uh, UK. When the sun was at, at its highest point, high noon, that location, and today it's known as UTC, you might have seen that, universal time coordinated, that, that's like zero. So everything else is added, like UTC plus 1, UTC plus 2, or plus 5, plus 10. 
that, that's how everything is ordered. That's how we have time zones because they thought, well, let, let's kind of like put things together so traveling, everything would be more consistent. So other parts of the world, they would add an hour, two hour to their times when, where high noon hits as the, as the earth rotates. So that, that's the idea in this. I know it might be, wow, I, Rick, this is too much for Sunday morning. You know, I, I need another cup of coffee to think that. But, but think about that. But this is all to say this. You and I, we live in this time, space, right, matter continuum. Sounds like back to future some. But, right, but we're in, we're in this, this time-based kind of life and realm. Well, God dwells outside of that. So that's what I'm trying to get into your head. God is the eternal God. God lives in the eternal realm. And God is outside of our time-based realm. Here's the third thing. God is the eternal God. God lives in the eternal realm. Number three, God now looks at, quote-unquote, time from the eternal perspective. God looks at time from the eternal perspective. So he's in the eternal. He's peering over into time, and he sees our earth spinning. He sees us living in time, our 24-hour day, our hours, our minutes, our seconds, all of that. So for him, from his perspective, looking at time, you know, one day, it's a thousand years. And a thousand years is like one day. God, in, in one glance, you could say, God sees a thousand years. He can see it like that because it's outside of time, right? Uh, he can see a thousand years in one glance. So it, that's the idea. One day, a thousand years, thousand years, one day. The commentator Grant Richardson said this, we see time in one dimension, and God sees time in another dimension. Man looks at things from a finite perspective. God looks at things from an infinite perspective. So I hope it's starting to leak into your mind. Oh, okay, one day, thousand years. Okay, it's how God sees things. So what seems like, and this is what Peter's getting to, a thousand years of delay to us. It's actually just one day to God. And it's all because God's timetable is set, you know what, to the eternal time zone. That's the only way I could understand it. As they talk about time zones in different countries or, you know, on the mainland and all that. The only way I could kind of grasp any of that in, in this huge, deep thinking of how this works is that God's just in this different time zone. And it's this eternal time zone. So God's timetable, as we consider Jesus' return and the schedule and what's going on when he's going to come back, it's, in this, it's totally set in this eternal time zone. So I hope that helps you kind of understand, well, what is one day? What is a thousand? What's, why is a thousand one day and all of that? Think about it this way. I was thinking about this is like the formula, and I, I, I sort of like that Peter's giving us in converting time zones. Like, think about it this way: Japan time zone, as I mentioned, is 19 hours ahead. So when I call Pastor Tommy in Okinawa in Japan, right, I gotta figure out when to call him so I don't wake him up, right, like in the middle of the night. And I've done that before. So I came up with this formula. Say it's 5 p.m. in Maui. Well, when it's going to be 1 p.m. in Okinawa the next day. Why? Because my formula is this. If it's 5 p.m. in Maui, you minus five, 5 hours, right? Or did I do that right? 12 p.m., right? You minus 5 hours, so it would be 12 p.m., and you add a day ahead. So it's like noon, his time, the next day, but it's like 5 p.m. on Thursday for me. That's my little formula. But I had to make another formula because when we were in Japan, we would call home, right? So we're calling from uh, uh, Okinawa, Japan time zone, to Hawaii time zone. So I had to figure out this formula, which is basically the opposite. If it was, say, like 1 p.m. in Okinawa time, I would add five hours, yeah? So it would be 6 p.m. on Maui. But then go back one day. So it would be 6 p.m. the day before. So that was my little formula that I had to come up with to be, not, you know, without having to go, okay, what's 19 plus this or 19 plus, you know, 
I mean, two, two digits is hard, but one digit is easier, right? <laughs> and doing your calculations. Now, can you imagine then uh, trying to do that with the eternal time zone? We can't. Uh, we can't. We can't even conceive it. Our minds are finite. But I think this is the closest formula we have. <laughs> one day is a thousand years. A thousand years is one day. So maybe it's been 2,000 years since Christ came. And it's been almost 2,000 years. And, and we're wait, still waiting for His com- coming. And it seems like, wow, that's a long time to wait. That's a long time of delay to God. It's only two days. Right? If you convert that. Listen, what is important here is to trust God that He has this eternal perspective. To believe that, you know what? He sees it all. He has a handle of it on on everything, on this world, on your life even. It's not like, oh, um, I forgot. Oh, you know, it's like days go by and you're like... Oh my gosh, I got this text like three, I was in that spot three days ago, oh man, it was so busy. It's not like that with the Lord. He's outside of time. So you can trust God from his eternal perspective. He sees it all. If anything, we're on this time zone. We're in time. We're on this side, this time zone. And you know what? We need to make the days count. We need to make the months count. We need to make the minutes and seconds count. Someone was uh, sharing how in each day there's 24 hours, 1,440 minutes, and 86,400 seconds. And he said every one of them is a precious gift from God. I like that. I want to approach where we're at in that way and trust God and what he sees in eternity. All right. So God's timetable is set to the eternal time zone. So that's important to establish that as a basis as we tackle this question. Well, where's Jesus? Why is the delay? Let's go to number two. God's timetable is set from the heart of mercy. Is set from the heart of mercy. Verse nine, uh, the first part. It says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. And we'll stop right there. Now, remember the scoffers, they're scoffing and mocking, and back in verse 4, right? Oh, where is the promise of his coming? Where is he? Why is he delaying there? We saw that back in verse 4. Where's Jesus? Didn't he promise that he would come again? Well, Peter answers that. In this way here, he says, you know what? The Lord is not slow here. In the ESV, the word slow, uh, it means delay. He's not delayed. He's not hesitating or he's not late. That's what Peter is trying to say here. He's, God is not late on his promise. What's the promise? To bring judgment to the world, to take care of sin once and for all. To, 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 to bring in his kingdom and change everything around, right? To set up his kingdom. God is not late at that. God is, is, is not like holding back or lazy about or forgot. None of that. And then when Peter says uh, in verse 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness. In other words, the sum is the scoffers who, who are saying, oh, implying, well, what, what's wrong with God? Why is he so late? Why is he so slow? Maybe he doesn't have the ability. That's what these are, they're applying here. Maybe he's apathetic to his promise. Maybe he forgot about things. But Peter's declaring here in verse 9, he's declaring it's none of that at all. It's not that he's slow. It's not like you guys are saying that there's this slowness. God is not moving slow. God does not run late. And we know that, don't we? We know God is always on time. God isn't like has a slow watch on his wrist, yeah? Not God. He has everything planned to a T. Warren Rearsby said, God is never in a hurry. He knows what he's doing, and his timing is never off. And we understand it, don't we? Sometimes our faith is, is weak in that God right now would be a good time, right? God, oh, right? I mean... 
Remember, we, 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 we were uh, talking about the other week about prayer, and God answers every prayer. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, and sometimes it's what? Wait, yeah. And it's that waiting that's the hardest. It's like, God, right now. God, do it right now. But God has his perfect timing. He's, he's never too early. He's never too late. He's always right on time. And, and maybe you need to hear that today. He's not slow. As some people say, oh, he's, 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 just, he, he's just, you know, late here. He's just sloughing it off. or He's not thinking about you. He doesn't care. No, no. God is never late. He's always right on time. And the reason is what? Why? He has a plan, right? God has his will, and God has his plan. So God has his schedule. God's timetable is set to his will and his plan. So he's always going to be right on time. Peter's like, hey, you guys, it, it's not, God doesn't move slow. It's not that he's late. It's not that he can't do it. He has his plan. He has his timing in all of this. I was thinking about how God, it would seem God could have made the whole universe we talked about last week, the whole world, right? He could have made it like that. But he chose to take six days. And that's what we saw last week. God, it would seem God could have delivered Israel from Egypt right then and there. But he didn't. He took, you know what, 80 years, you guys, to raise up Moses and then send Moses in. And then there's 10 plagues. It wasn't just one. You know, could have done it in one plague. And, but it was 10 plagues. God has his plan, his purposes, his will, and all of that. But think about this. It would seem like when the first time Jesus came, he could have come sooner. Why did he come at that time? Right? Why was he born uh, scholars say about A.D. 3. I mean, you think it'd be zero, right? Uh, um, but uh, uh, about A.D. 3. Why, well, why then? Why not a little bit earlier? Why not a little bit later? God has his plan in Galatians 4.4. 4, it says that the fullness of time, when it came time, when it came to the right time, God sent Jesus Christ. So understand, in his second coming, God is his will, his plan, his schedule, his timetable to bring Christ right at the right time. So he's not slow, he's not late, he's, he's none of that at all. Well, what is going on? Well, one of the things, Peter says, the Lord is not slow, verse 9, to fulfill his promises, some count slowness. But here's what's going on, is patient toward you or Patient, I think the NLT said, for your sake, for us, for the world, for human beings. He is patient. You know, the word patient in the Bible literally is long burning, like, like, like long, uh, long anger or, or meaning uh, being able to endure. Uh, the old King James is what? Long suffering, Right. So the idea is this, the delay in Jesus' return is because God is enduring even all this bad treatment of him, even the rebellion, even the, the world turning more to sin. God is patient with all of us in that way. See, God promised, and he did right, and we know the future, God's going to judge the ungodly for their sin. God's going to judge his world. We saw last time, he did it once already with the flood, right? Well, in the future, it's going to be by fire. But God is delaying. He's being patient. Why? Because he's merciful. Because this is his heart of mercy. Exodus 34, 6, the second part, and this is the NLT. It says, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. He says, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. So God's timetable is set from the heart of mercy. His schedule, the delay of Christ's coming, it is set from his heart of mercy. His heart of mercy. I want you to understand that. I mean, I, I, 
we, or this world, we should say, the human beings, I mean, think about what they are doing to God right now. Think about how far we have moved from our biblical principles, this world. Think about where we're heading. Think about where, where good is bad and bad is good now, right? Oh, it, it, things are being turned upside down. You think God would like, you know what, that's it. I'm tired of this. Yeah? But no, God is patient. Why? Because of his heart of mercy. He's patient. He's enduring. You know, God's going to take that because of his mercy upon us. I don't know if you guys um, older, and I remember when I was small, I remember seeing the old, do you remember the old Timex commercials? You know, they put the watch on a, 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 a motor, uh, the motor of a boat, you know, and they take it off. Look, it's still working. Or, or put it in a paint mixer and it come out working. Or someone dove off a cliff, you know, wearing it, and, 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 and the announcer holds it up. Oh, it's still going, right? Uh, put in a vacuum cleaner or all, all this kind of abuse it went through. Well, if you remember that, you remember their model on how resilient this watch is? It takes a licking, but you got it. Remember that? Well, I feel like God is resilient in that way. That, that even though the world, us humans, treat God so badly, we abuse his goodness toward us. Yeah? He, he, he gets that beating, so to speak, from us. But God doesn't wipe us out right away. He doesn't bring yeah, the judgment, the, the tribulation right away. No, but patiently he waits and he gives mercy. Time is going to come. His promise will be fulfilled. His word will be fulfilled. That judgment will come. But right now, in God's timetable, the delay is because of his patience. And, and he's being patient because of his heart of mercy. God's timetable is set from the heart of mercy. Remember about the flood? Right? God saw that the man was evil and the intentions of their heart was evil. There's wickedness all over. And he said, that's it. Going to bring a flood. But did he bring it right away? No, it was 120 years. I'm sure Noah could have made it quicker or God could have helped him. But he had, we, we know in the New Testament, in Hebrews, that, that, that or was it First Peter, that, that Noah was preaching the whole time. So he didn't bring it right away. Thomas Fuller said this, God gives his wrath by weight, but his mercy without measure. I love that. The delay of Jesus' coming and judging the earth is because of God's abundant mercy on the world. Now the delay, His mercy, it's not an excuse to sin. But you know what it's designed for? It's designed to give you time to come back. Time to repent. Time for someone to come to Jesus. Robert Robinson was saved out of a life of sin through Jesus Christ. And um, shortly after that, at the age of 23, he wrote a hymn. And we, got, we know that hymn. Come thou fount of every blessing, streams of mercy never ceasing. We know that hymn. We sing it here, right? But sadly, after that, Robert uh, Robinson wandered far from Jesus. And we, he went back to living his old life of what I saw in the testimony, carnality. One day he was traveling by stagecoach and sitting beside a woman reading in her book. And she ran across a verse she thought was beautiful and asked him what he thought of it. Listen to this. I'm reading this. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Well, bursting into tears, Robinson said, told the lady, Madam, I am the poor, unhappy man who wrote that hymn many years ago, and I would give a thousand worlds if I could enjoy the feelings I had back then. Being surprised and taken back, she, she, she was silent for a moment, but then she reassured him that the streams of mercy, quote-unquote, mentioned in his song still float. And right then, Mr. Robinson was deep deeply touched and turned his wandering heart to the Lord and he was restored to full fellowship with Jesus Christ. 
Isn't that amazing? Listen, maybe you've wandered off. Maybe your heart's been wandering. Maybe, maybe you've left the God you once loved. Well, the delay is God reaching out to you. The delay is saying, look, it's time to return. I'm giving you mercy here. I'm giving you mercy. Well, that really brings us into number three. God's timetable is set for the maximum opportunity. The maximum opportunity. And this is our last thing we're going to see. God's timetable is, number one, set to the eternal time zone. God's timetable, number two, is set from the heart of mercy. And lastly, God's timetable is set for the maximum opportunity. All right, so why does God delay? Why is he so patient? Well, look at the rest of verse 9 here. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. There's God's heart of mercy. Wishing, really, uh, or, or we can say desiring that no one perish when judgment comes. God's heart is, to, is that people are saved in Jesus. That's his heart. That really is his heart. It's not, he's, just look, he's not looking down from heaven waiting for us to make a mistake and say, ah, see, 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 get out of here. No, his heart is to save. His heart that pe- would be that people be saved in Jesus. 1 Timothy 2, 4 says, uh, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So he desires that people would be saved, that they would not perish, but that, the end of verse 9, all should reach repentance. Not regret, not remorse, but repentance. Remember, we talked about it before. Repentance literally means a change of mind, a change of heart. It, it means turning around, doing a 180, going a different direction in your life, going away from sin and going toward God. That 180, that's what repentance is is and that's what God's desire is for you and for me in Ezekiel 33 11 the second part the Lord speaking here I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked but that the wicked turn from his way and live turn back turn back from your evil ways for why will you die O house of Israel This is his heart this is his pleading toward all of us this is what he pleads to the world who even though they're rejecting him, even though they're rebelling him, even though they're, they are abusing God and who he is, God is still there. Turn, won't you turn? I don't want you to perish. Repent of your sins. So this timetable God has, has scheduled in this chance, this opportunity for Repentance. So do you understand that? That's what this delay is. Bruce Barton in his commentary said, Love is the reason he delays the destruction of the world. It's love. It's love, you guys. So God's timetable is set for the maximum opportunity. The maximum opportunity that people can have to come to Jesus Christ. You know me, I was saved in 1976. And um, at that time, Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, there was so much talk about Jesus' return. I mean, almost every study, every evangelistic concert, there was a lot of talk about the Lord coming soon. There's movies that came out, like Left Behind or Thief in the Night. And, or not Left Behind, Thief in the Night, the original one there. And there was so much talk. I remember every year at, at the New Year's Eve service at, at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa, Chuck would say, Well, I really feel that this will be the last year. You know, every year he'd say that and everyone would laugh. Yeah, yeah, you said that last year. Oh, and you said that, you know, the year before. And I, Chuck was right, being, being hopeful. That was, that was in the 70s. 80s came. We're still talking about things. We're still looking at prophecy being fulfilled. 80s came and went, Christ didn't return. 90s came. We're still talking about 90s came and went. The 2000s, the 2010s, and now we're in the 2020s. But I got to tell you, today it seems like there's so much 
more fulfilled than it was back in the 70s. I mean, for Russia to have boots on the ground in the Middle East, that, that's huge. That is really huge. Well, what if Jesus came in the 70s? You know, a lot of people I know wouldn't be saved. They'd be lost forever. They would perish in their sins. I mean, even myself. I mean, what if Jesus came in, you know, in 1975 and I got saved in 76? I would not be here. I'm so grateful for the delay, his mercy, his heart, his patience, that, that I got a chance to give my life to Christ. I mean, think about that. So this delay is for a maximum opportunity to get the maximum amount of people saved. And that's what we got to be akamai about, right? We got to have that. That should be our kuleana. It should be. In this time of delay, we should be trying to reach as many people for Jesus Christ. Because the clock is ticking, isn't it? The clock is ticking. And, And... I think it's going to be soon. I've been asked so many times by people that in this recent attack, you know, by Hamas and Israel, right? And, and it, the wars continue on and ex- escalating that I've been asked, well, well, is this part of Bible prophecy? Is this specifically something we see in Bible prophecy? And personally, I don't. I don't see this specific incident uh, said in the Bible. But it could be a step Two, what's prophesied in Ezekiel 38, 39, when Russia will lead the Arab nations allied together, Iran and Turkey, to come and attack Israel. And then God saves Israel. And to me, that's the beginning of the tribulation years. And I believe even before that attack is when the rapture is going to happen, or right around there. Because as we study in First Thessalonians and in our other books, I believe that we will be raptured. The church will be taken home before the seven years of tribulation. So what we see in the, in the Middle East today could be a big step toward, you know, it might instigate Russia to grab, you know, to come and lead these Arab nations. You know what I read this morning in, in the news online? That Iran is threatening Israel. If you go in on ground forces, and they're all lined up right now. Israel's lined up to go into uh, the Gaza Strip there. Iran is threatening. You know what? If you go in Israel, there's going to be quote-unquote consequences. And I read that. I was like, whoa, what's the consequence? They can pull Russia into this? Oh, let's get them, right? Already, um, what was it, for Friday, there was a call for jihad, Hamas says, jihad, yeah, attack all the Jews on Friday. That was supposed to be in some areas in the world that happened. So this can escalate into something like that. So it could be any time. The rapture, attack on Israel, then the seven years tribulation, the rise of the Antichrist, God's judgment on the world. But right now, in the moments we have, if it's moments, in the days we have, in the weeks we have, maybe months, maybe God will stay his hand, it'll be another five years. But whatever that is, this delay is this opportunity, it's a maximum opportunity that God is giving for people to be saved, for, for you and I to get our life right, to you, for you and I to start living for Jesus and stop living for the world. Some of us has gotten so comfortable yeah, where we're at, and, well, Christianity, God, is, is kind of just this side thing added to our life. But Jesus needs to be your life. It, your life needs to be all about Jesus Christ. That's what needs to happen. And he's giving us opportunity right now, today. As we're reading this, studying this, that's what God is doing. And what will you do with that opportunity? God is merciful. God is saying, come, I'm delaying it. I'm delaying it, you guys. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones shared this story. It was a testimony of a man in his church. Um, He was a pastor in in England, like um, uh, in the early 1900s into the 60s. But 
Uh, there was a man in his church named William Thomas. Um, he was a fish salesman in the United Kingdom. And one day at work, he overheard some guys talking about church, where the preacher said, nobody is hopeless. There's hope for everybody in Jesus. So William Thomas decided to go to the chapel and see for himself. So the next Sunday, he went to church. He went to the gate, and the gate was open, going into the yard in, uh, in where the church was. But he stopped and stood there. He said his nerves failed him, and he turned around and went home. Well, all that week, his heart struggled, the whole week. And, and so uh, he, he went to church again the next Sunday. When he came, he could hear the singing and the worship going on, and his heart dropped because he was late. So he turned around and went home again. The third Sunday, he came, and William, William Thomas was, was, was standing there once again, all like going back and forth in his mind, standing at the gate, nervous, wondering, oh, what am I going to do? Then suddenly, someone broke through his indecisiveness and said, are you coming? Come, sit with me. That Sunday, he went to church and gave his life to Jesus Christ. We need to reach out to people. Some people are hesitant like that. And you see God's mercy. What, what, what would have happened if William Thomas, after the first week, turned around and Lord saw that and says, forget you if you're not going to make that decision, right? I'm done with him. But the, God is not like that. God is not like that. He loves us, and his mercy is here for us. You know, as we come to a close, there is this thought that God is waiting for that one last person to give their life to Jesus, and then the church could go home. It comes from Romans eleven twenty five, where it says, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, then God will work with Israel. That's the context. So the idea is there's that one person that the Lord is trying to reach and waiting and then going to bring him home. That's his mercy, isn't it? That's his love. That's, that's his, his grace. So look, we're all waiting for you. Come on now. No. <laughs> Well, God might say his hand in Israel, whether Jesus returns soon or in another 10 years, 5 years. We have to understand his timing. We have to understand what's going on. And we have to understand then what is our mission here in this time of delay. It's not about us anymore. It's, it's about reaching people for the kingdom of God. I'll close with this. A man was praying and he asked the Lord, Lord, is it true that to you a thousand years is like one second? And God said, yeah, a thousand years is like a second. And the man asked, well, how about with money then? Is it true a million dollars is like a penny to you? And God said, yeah, a million is nothing. A million, yeah, is like a penny. So then the man said, Smiled and said, Lord, then can I have a penny? And the Lord said, sure, just a second. <laughs> I like that one. God has his will. God has his purpose. Let's trust him and line up with God's timetable. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to a close here, uh, God, my heart is just full of, of just this urgency, Lord, that you're showing us, God, that though there's been a delay, I feel like there's this urgency because you're coming soon. And even if you don't, we need to live like it is urgent. That in your timetable, it could happen any time. We don't know. No one knows. Not even angels know. But only you know, Father. And we know that's what the Word says. And, and so, God, we need to stick that into our mind and, and stick to your timetable, God. And so may you set that in our hearts today. May our clocks, may our watches be set to your timetable. The urgency, the, the importance, God, of in this time of delay, whether it's a, a, a week or a couple months or years, whatever that is, we need to be at doing kingdom work. And Lord... We need to be made right with you. And so I pray for anyone here this morning or anyone online 
that they would give their heart to you, that they would make right with you, God, that they would come to the cross and receive your forgiveness, God. If, it, if there's anyone here, Lord, I pray that if they're not saved, that they would be saved today. If we have wanderers, Lord, that you would call them and that they would come back, Lord. We are all prone to wander. Yes, we all feel that. We have our heart and our flesh that, that can be so wicked, but today, God, we want to commit and surrender to you. I want everyone to just close their eyes at this moment. If if you want to receive Christ this morning, I want you to just put your hand up to show the Lord that you want to be saved. Anyone here in the room? God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? If maybe perhaps you're, you're, you've wandered away, wandered away like that song did, just, just like um, uh, Mr. Robinson did, and you need to recommit your life to the Lord, put your hand up and show the Lord, yes, I want to recommit my life to you. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Do you want to recommit your life to the Lord? Those of you online, if, uh, I want you to, to sincerely go to God right now and, and raise your hand wherever you're at and let God see the hand. I can't see it, but God wants that commitment this morning. Those of you who raised your hand, I want to lead you in a prayer. So pray after me. Dear Jesus, Thank you for dying on the cross. Please forgive me of my sins. I give you my life as I accept you into my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me a new creation now. Help me to live for you and no longer live for myself. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. If you prayed that prayer, welcome back. Those of you online, welcome back. Welcome to the family of God. If you prayed that prayer, we have a Bible for you. If you're online, uh, try, I don't know, email, text us or chat us and chat, you know, and, and tell us and give us your address. We'll send you a Bible. You guys... Today is the opportunity. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Don't delay. Don't linger. And for the rest of us, let, us, let this message stir our hearts, set a passion in our hearts to live for Jesus because time is short. And let's take full opportunity of the delay.